Since 2018, Ian Sanders has been the host and producer of the award-winning Cold War Conversations podcast. Every week, he interviews an eyewitness of the Cold War. Sometimes it's a soldier, sometimes a spy, sometimes a civilian, but they all have stories to tell. Ian, welcome to Podcast Radio. Well, thank you, Gene. Pleasure to be on here and a pleasure to support Podcast Radio. I think it's a great idea. Thank you very much for that. Yes, we all do love podcasts very much around here. Now, can I trust that your name really is Ian Sanders? Because I feel like you live in the shadows in a world of secrecy, and maybe you could have made that up. It is genuinely uh, my name. I am dealing with a number of people who uh, you could say are in the uh, shadow world of the Cold War, Uh but that is my true identity, Gene. Well, that's exactly what I would expect you to say if you were hiding something. (laughs) So if I I were to rewind the film of your life and go back to say 10 year old Ian are you already interested in history do you have an awareness of this part of the world of the Cold War at that time yeah yeah I would say that I mean my parents were real history buffs so whenever we went somewhere we've been in be in a museum or a castle or or something like that so it's sort of in the genes but a 10 year old Ian would be sort of in the 1970s period of the Cold War. So uh, coming up to detente or sort of detente would have been starting then. And I was certainly, I think one of my earliest awareness was the um, Soviet invasion of Czechoslovakia in 68, because there was quite a bit of coverage on TV, I think, during that period. But that's remarkable that a child of your age would have that kind of interest in the news. Most kids don't care about the news beyond their own block in school. Yeah, well, I sort of started out more in military history. So seeing tanks on the streets of a capital city, I guess, sort of piqued my interest there. Now, I tend to think of when I hear Cold War, I think of the U.S. versus the USSR. But there are Cold Wars between dozens of countries, right? All going on at the same time? Yeah. I mean, the the Cold War is often thought of as a non-war, i.e. a war without conflict, which is a real misnomer because you've got things like Vietnam during this period, which is a, effectively a, a proxy war between communism and, and capitalism. You had Korea in the 1950s with a huge casualty figure of over a million, mainly civilians. Various proxy wars going on in uh, Africa as well, in places like Angola. And the United States just doesn't declare war at all anymore, even though we clearly send troops to places like Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, I remember sort of being really surprised with the Falklands War in the UK in 1982, because that was the first time my country was actually at war Mm -hmm. with another country. Whereas nowadays, it seems like our troops are deployed on operations 365 days a year somewhere in the world. And at some point, there's a light bulb moment over your head where you think, wow, there are stories to be told and I'm just the man to do it. How about making a podcast? Yeah, it it didn't sort of really come around that way. I did some work on a community radio station and really enjoyed working in audio and just couldn't sustain it because I was doing a sports show on a Saturday afternoon. It was just too much of a commitment. Little did I know how much a podcast was going to be as a commitment. But anyway, (laughs) and I was looking for a way to sort of harness my interest and also work in audio. And I came across oral histories and thought, well, actually, there's nobody really out there. I couldn't see anybody out there capturing the oral histories of the Cold War. And I was very conscious with my father having served in World War II that a lot of the oral histories of World War II had never been captured, at least in recorded form rather than written form. So that's really what triggered it. 
I thought I'd maybe get a few hundred listeners who'd be interested in the subject. And yeah, it's about 110,000 a month that I get now. Oh my, I didn't realize I had a celebrity on the line, Ian. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that. And my uh, <laughs> kids and my wife would definitely not say that. Now, you speak with ordinary people, citizens in these countries. You also talk to soldiers and spies and astronauts. There's classified information involved and they have to be very careful what they say. Are there people who want to remain anonymous because they have a story they're willing to share, but for whatever reason, it can't go on their permanent record? Yeah, there's probably two sorts sorts of guests in sort of that category. There's some that have signed certain pieces of paper that say that they can't reveal certain bits of information. And generally, they know what they can say and what they can't say. So for example, if I ask somebody who works in signals intelligence a question like, how exactly were you listening to the Russians? What what techniques were you using? I normally get diverted into another direction Mm -hmm. because some, some of these techniques or technologies are perhaps still being used today. The other category is somebody who wants to share their story and it's generally civilians, but just don't want their identity known. So I have done a couple of episodes where we've used a different name, but those are relatively few and far between. I mean, some people are very upfront with what they've done. I mean, I interviewed somebody whose husband was a KGB spy and she also worked for the KGB. And I was asking her for a few extra details and she answered me with, I cannot share any operational details. This is the voice of Ian Sanders. The podcast is called Cold War Conversations. We're having this conversation on podcast radio. Any cool stories about assassination attempts? And the reason I ask that is because when I was growing up, I heard about the exploding cigars that we tried to get Fidel Castro to smoke. I don't know if that's true or not, but it made me think, I bet there have been a lot of creative ways that governments around the world have tried to take out their enemies. I've not had anybody on that's been specifically involved in that. I did have somebody on who worked with Georgi Markov, who was a Bulgarian journalist who worked for the BBC World Service, who was assassinated by Bulgarian intelligence in London. She actually had tea with him on one of his last days alive, and he, mm. he left her sort of partway through having tea with him, saying, I don't feel very well, I'm going home. And he'd been poisoned mm. by what's believed to be a bespoke umbrella on Waterloo Bridge in London. And of course, we've seen some some poisonings here in the UK in recent years too. It's not like this doesn't still go on, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's always constant echoes of the Cold War in you know what, what we're seeing in, in the present day. And I think that's why people enjoy the podcast. I think the other reason is nostalgia. I get a lot of listeners who lived through that period as I did. And in some ways, look at it as a more straightforward time. You know, there, there was one enemy, really, which was mm-hmm. the Soviet Union or the, or the Warsaw Pact from a Western point of view. And things seemed almost more predictable, although there was always the uh, impending threat of a global nuclear war destroying the planet. Speaking of Armageddon, how close do you think we've come to somebody pushing that big red button? I think that there's been a number of situations, generally by accident rather than by design. Probably the one that most people are familiar with is the Cuban Missile Crisis. And within that, there was a moment where one of the Soviet submarines off Cuba was being threatened by US warships and the commander was looking at launching a nuclear torpedo and luckily some cooler heads on that submarine prevailed and that wasn't launched but 
I think you know there, there were various times where the missile warning systems gave erroneous alerts. Probably the one of the famous ones is is in 1983 when Stanislav Petrov was in the Soviet command center and there was a missile warning came through of one missile originating from the US and he decided it was a malfunction. Whoa. Then three missiles appeared to be coming from the US, which he again thought was a malfunction because it was a new system in there. He didn't take it any further at that point because if he had called Moscow, there was a danger that they might have thought, actually, this is the start of a nuclear attack and we should launch. 83 was a very fraught year because there was also an exercise called Able Archer in Germany. The Soviets during this period had got really paranoid that the US was actually going to carry out a first strike with nuclear weapons because Reagan was in was the president at the time. The US were developing the Star Wars system or the Strategic Defense Initiative, which was supposed to uh, destroy nuclear missiles in space. So the Soviets got really paranoid. And during Able Archer, they thought that this could be the pretext for a preemptive strike and loaded nuclear weapons onto their aircraft in East Germany. I have chills listening to you tell this story. I know you get asked all the time about your recommendations for movies and TV shows about the Cold War. Can I just guess that the Americans has to be considered one of the best? Yes. Yeah, I, I do. I do enjoy the, the Americans, but it is a bit James Bond-like in terms of the number of people they're knocking off each series. And, <laughs> There's a uh, lot of murder. There is a lot of murder, yes. <laughs> and what they, what they get up to. And the finale of it is just gobsmacking. It, it's brilliant. So I'm not going to spoil that for anybody. As far as movies are concerned, I mean, they generally have to shortcut the story to just make it fit into a movie. If you know the history, it can be exasperating. But in my view, if the movie gets people interested in learning more about Cold War history, that's good for me because more people come to Cold War conversations. I want to ask you one more thing, Ian, and that is you've had quite a number of stories about women and their contributions to Cold War history on your podcast. And I think a lot of those stories aren't widely known. Have you been surprised how much content there is there? I think there's loads more. It frustrates me that the Cold War is seen as blokes with tanks and guns, whereas the experience of women during the Cold War is is not really covered. And I'm very proud of the fact that I've got about 20% of the episodes are women's stories of the Cold War. And it's an area that I want to cover more because I think it's it's an unknown side of things. And it's the unknown stories that really excite me. When I'm interviewing somebody and they say, oh, I've never thought of that. I've never told anybody this before. That's where the gold is. It's just an honor to speak to these people, hear their stories and, and, and share their stories. Find Ian's podcast wherever you get yours. And for a deep dive, go to coldwarconversations.com. I'm Gene Baxter for Podcast Radio. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor. And every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.